0: Oh, mm-hmm. At the works of your hand, the ways of your heart, this is the cry of your people. This is the cry of your people. One, we are unworthy, yet boldly we come. When your spirit draws near, your will is made known. is your holy name Lord come and bless us what's our
1: appreciate you, choir, helping lead in worship. Randy, that was some high notes, too, brother. God bless you, man. That's good. How we do it. You know, the Bible teaches that, uh, that the Lord actually desires for us to call out to Him and He hears us. So, as we gather together to worship tonight, we want to make sure that we do that. And uh, I do know that there are many people in the building tonight who have some specific concerns on their heart. So, what I'd love to do is invite you to come forward right now, find a place here in the altar, and you speak to the Lord. Come right now, find a place here in the altar, and uh, you speak to the Lord, and uh, I'll lead us in prayer. Our team has arrived in Montgomery safely, so we'll continue to pray for them this week, but also want to continue to pray for our disciple now. Had a lot of students out uh, tonight getting prepared, getting things ready, and a lot of volunteers, so we appreciate you also. But Let's just bow our heads together as we seek the Lord. Father, we're grateful uh, that we can come together as a body of believers and experience your presence. And we thank you, Lord, that uh, you encourage us in your word to call out to you and that you listen, you uh, put your ear, as it were, towards us. God, tonight, you know, in this particular building, there's a lot of needs, a lot of uh, situations that are going on that I'm aware of. And But I just want to pray now uh, for those parents who are, struggling uh, with a child, that you put your hand on those parents. You would help them to reflect your personality, your attitude, your heartbeat for their children. And God, I pray for those uh, children who are wayward, that you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would bring conviction on their heart, and that you draw them back to yourself and you administer um, just a fresh touch in their life. i got also pray for uh, some of these families that... Um, that are experiencing financial difficulties, some of these individuals who are experiencing it as well. God, I wanna ask that you would show yourself strong in their lives, that during this day of difficulty, they would pursue you wholeheartedly and allow the time of a dry season to really be an opportunity for them to come before you to receive the nourishment, the encouragement, and every single thing that they need. And God, I pray that you would uh, continue to take care of your children, your individuals that you've called into a relationship with you. God, I want to also lift up those uh, in Montgomery now. Pray that you'd fill them with the Holy Spirit, that you'd keep them sober minded, that they might experience unity as a group, as I know the enemy would love to stamp out their effectiveness. So I pray, Father. Against the enemy, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, the word of their testimony, the blood of the Lamb, as the scriptures teach in the book of Revelation, that they would overpower the enemy's desire to try to silence their witness and try to keep them back from what you have in store for them. So I pray for those men that you would um, grow them uh, in a unique fashion this week, that they would experience you in a brand new way, experience you in a deeper uh, love relationship. As they seek to walk with you god i pray for these students a lot of them here tonight and god we're so thankful uh, for what you're doing in our student ministry and thank you for brandon and his leadership i would ask that you continue to place your hand upon them uh, that you would unite the student ministry in a unique fashion to make a phenomenal impact in this particular community and god i pray for disciple now weekend that we would have the opportunity to celebrate together seeing people come to faith and seeing students uh, deepen their relationship with you. And God, I pray that it will just be an awesome time uh, where you would be magnified and glorified. And I pray as well, Lord, I know we've got a team that met tonight that's really pursuing uh, getting our church body involved in serving in the body. So, Lord, I just pray for that team that asks that you would guide their thoughts, guide their mind. And by uh, Pastor Randy's leadership, I just pray that you would use him in those meetings, that you would supernaturally give them uh, your exact plan for Concord, that we as a body might give our very best to you, that you would be uh, absolutely pleased at what you see taking place here. And, God, we just thank you uh, for tonight, the opportunity once again to come before you to hear from you and pray that you'd speak to our hearts. And God, how grateful we are for the gifts that you've given to this body, those who are helping lead worship tonight in the absence of James. What an awesome uh, testimony of your grace gifts to this church family. So many people uh, can step up and minister and uh, continue to carry the torch. We thank you for James's leadership uh, with them and just pray that you'd bless them tonight. Father, we invite you uh, to be in our presence today. We pray that you would make us uh, sensitive to the fact that you're here. Uh, This isn't just checking off a list to say we've gone to church Sunday night, but we really do. We want to experience you. We want to walk with you. So, God, I just pray that you would um, hear our prayers and answer them in your uh, timing. And we would just wait for you when necessary. We could go when necessary. And, Father, we will be able to listen uh, even when you say no. So, Lord, uh, just come tonight in a unique fashion, and we'll be quick to give you the praise for it. And it's in Jesus Christ's name that we pray and everybody said amen. of you are amazed by the Lord, right? And amazed by how the Lord loves us. And I um, want to go ahead and let you know what was awesome this morning. A couple of things. Our Second service, we actually uh, saw another person give their heart to Christ, so we were fired up about that during the second service, and then uh, one of the reasons I love to go in the back and meet our guest is because it gives me an opportunity to share the gospel with them, and so we had a guest who came this morning and uh, shared the gospel with him in the uh, foyer, and he prayed to receive the Lord, and then I got home, uh, which was pretty cool. You know, Krista was doing, Krista, my wife, she was doing children's church and uh, went in, asked her how it went. She said it was great, and they actually had a uh, child this morning pray to receive Jesus. So that was awesome, too. So we were fired up about what the Lord's doing. Amen. And uh, you know, I, I heard the quote, uh, but actually, before I came in here, and the quote was, "A church that does not evangelize will fossilize." And that is so true. Amen, how I appreciate our shared Jesus without fear group that went out tonight. Some of them didn't know we were going out tonight until they showed up, and we had to remind them what the title of the uh, book was that we were studying, Share Jesus Without Fear, because they were scared. and uh, But they went out. Now, you know, it was a unique night, and I, don't, I didn't get to hear all of the stories, but uh, our group that went out, we didn't have a great opportunity to share. But, uh, you know, the bottom line is God tells us to go. There's sometimes that the doors are wide open, and then there's some times that they aren't open at all. Uh, but we're still going to be obedient as a church body and go. That's what we do, and uh, God begins to open doors in the future. And I want to remind you, I didn't mention it too much this morning, but want to mention to our Sunday night crowd that the challenge for March is still on for you, to invite an unchurched individual over to your home and to spend some time with them and share the gospel with them. So invite them over to have lunch. Uh, Krista has already... Um, been working at this I'm all excited about it is also and uh, we've invited uh, some people so we're looking forward to see what God does with that situation already praying for their salvation have our kids praying for their salvation in the evening we usually pray with our kids before we go to bed and it's kind of awesome you know we actually ask our our children uh, you know Garrison's the oldest one I don't know why I'm telling y'all this but Garrison's the oldest one and ask you know who are some unchurched lost people that we can pray for. Garrison knows the Lord and he begins to name several of his friends. And you've got to remember, you know, Maddie's in there with us and Gavin's in there with us and Marley's in there and Krista. And uh, Garrison's naming all of his uh, buddies who need to be saved. And uh, it's kind of unique. And then he just looks up and he says, probably I'll pray for Maddie too. She's lost. You know what I mean? <laughs> good night. So anyway, pray for her to get saved. That's all right, ain't it? But uh Luke chapter six in your Bible. Verses twelve through nineteen is our text tonight. Luke chapter 6 12 through nineteen. And y'all can uh pray. We just had to send Krista home with Marley. She got sick. So uh, pray for her that she get better and none you know, none of us would get sick. Amen. And uh hopefully she'll bear the brunt for the whole family. <laughs> that was I'm just kidding. Don't tell Krista that. Luke chapter six, twelve through nineteen. Go ahead and stand with me in honor of God's word and uh Another awesome text, man. They just keep coming in Luke's gospel, and uh, hopefully you uh, will continue to enjoy this because there's a lot of chapters in Luke, and we're just going to keep plugging along when I'm, I'm loving it. The Bible says it was this time uh, that he went off to a mountain to pray, talking about Jesus. Jesus spent the whole night in prayer to God, and when day came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also named as apostles. Simon, whom he also named Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and James and John, and Philip and Bartholomew, and Matthew and Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Jesus came down with them uh, and stood on a level place. And there was a large crowd of his disciples and a great throng of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the coastal region of Tyre and Sidon who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were being cured. And all the people, this is wild, look at 19, all the people were trying to touch him for power was coming from him, healing them all. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Speak to our hearts tonight and continue to um, challenge us to learn as a group, as individuals, as a church body, how to follow you wholeheartedly. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Decisions, you know, we all have made them. Some of the decisions we've made have been great decisions. Uh, Some of the decisions we made in our past have not been great decisions. You know, my decision to ask Krista to marry me was a great decision. Um, Some of the decisions I've made, not so good. Uh, My decision to invest a few dollars in Delta Airlines turned out not to be such a great decision. You know, this past week, Kristen and I had a college student in our home. She was talking about making decisions. She wanted to know exactly what God desired for her to do for the next several years of her life. And uh, I remember being in the same situation while in college, not exactly sure where I would be or exactly what I'd be doing after graduation, tons of decisions to be made and Our understanding of how to make decisions is very important to our Christian walk. You know, this past week I've been reading through a manuscript written by a fairly new church member, Jeff Brookshire, on learning how to discern God's will. And in it, he highlights the importance of knowing and doing the will of God. Now, we may not often consider it, but Jesus had to make many decisions during his life and ministry on the earth. They were actually decisions similar to the decisions you and I have to make. His decisions involved God's will for his life, God's timing for his life, and God's call upon his life. And tonight, our text gives us insight into the decision-making process of Jesus. Now, before I begin to unpack these verses, I want to provide a couple of presuppositions that I bring to the text and also the message. Uh, The first presupposition is all followers of Jesus are in the ministry. So if you are converted, that is, you have a relationship with Christ, you are in the ministry. We are each called to advance the kingdom of God by making disciples in our sphere of influence. Presupposition number two, the decisions that we make will impact the ministry which the Father has called us to accomplish during our time of stay here on the earth. So with those two things in mind, I want us to note that when making decisions, there really are a few questions that you and I need to ask of ourselves. Question number one, we need to ask, have I gone to God the Father? Have I gone to God? Now, when studying the life of Christ, we often don't highlight the ongoing relationship between God the Father and God the Son. We rush to the activity of Jesus without taking a moment to investigate the relationship between the Father and the Son. But notice in your Bible again, verse 12, the scripture says, It was at this time that Jesus went off to the mountain to pray, and he spent the whole night in prayer to God. Now, this is not the first time in Luke's Gospel we see Jesus removing himself from the crowds and getting alone with God. Luke notes in chapter five and verse 16 that Jesus himself would often slip away into the wilderness and pray. See, the activity of prayer is not a one-sided activity. That is, prayer is not us simply running through a list of requests whenever speaking to God. A genuine prayer, biblical prayer, is actually two-way communication. Now, most of us have cell phones in the building, but could you imagine the phone ringing, you picking it up, and hearing the person on the other line talking, but they never stopped and gave you an opportunity to speak. And then all of a sudden, they simply just said bye, and they hung up the telephone. You know, if that were how it were with someone, you would see their name pop up on caller ID and be tempted, indeed, uh, to press the ignore button and just simply say, I don't want to hear them babble on. got some people in my mind, but I won't mention them. (laughs) See, the people you enjoy talking to are not those who listen, but rather those who speak as well. They listen, they speak, they do both. God not only loves to hear your voice, but he also loves to speak to you. Now, I'm not sure what the conversation was all about between Jesus and God the Father on that mountain all night long, But I'm quite sure it was a two-way communication happening here. Jesus speaking to the Father and the Father speaking to Jesus. And I will be honest with you that uh, over, you know, my fit schedule for these three months has been my prayer life. One of the things that I've sought to do is really deepen my prayer uh, life with the Lord. One of the hardest things for me to do is actually sit and listen for the Lord to speak to my heart. So oftentimes I can just rush into his presence, ask him all these things, ask him what I should do about this, that, or the other. And then I get up out of my prayer clown and uh, walk away. When really, when I'm going to ask a question, I should probably sit there and actually listen for an answer. The Lord speaks. You know, God the Father, God the Son, speaking with one another Jesus was on the front end of appointing 12 disciples. Jesus was on the front end of building a new nation. The tribes of the Old Testament represented the nation of Israel, those 12 tribes. The 12 apostles in the New Testament would represent the new nation of the church. You know, Peter writes in 1 Peter 2 and 9, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation. People for God's own possession so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So decision, the decision that Jesus was about to make was a big one. So he got along with God the Father all night long and had a conversation with him. You know, Charles Stanley writes, Jesus spent all night in prayer immediately before he chose the 12 disciples who would accompany him everywhere. Whenever we make any decision, major or minor, we should follow his example and wholeheartedly seek the counsel of God. You know, I'm convinced that God brings us to decision points, you and I, to decision points to draw us closer to him. And as we seek the Lord, he gives us wisdom through prayer and his word on what steps you and I are to take. You know, King Solomon describes wisdom calling out to us in Proverbs chapter 18. And wisdom shouts from the square and says, does not wisdom call? Understanding lift up her voice. And I read this verse in my devotion this past week, Proverbs 2, 6 through 7. For the Lord gives wisdom. And from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Listen to this. He stores up wisdom for the upright. He's a shield to those who walk in integrity. See, when we stand on the front end of a decision, God has wisdom stored up for you and I. And what's wild is we must go to him in prayer, asking him for his wisdom, seeking for his wisdom in the word, and then listening to his voice. So we could kind of stop for just a moment. I would ask you, what decision are you standing on the front end of, and how are you pursuing making that decision? You know, it's interesting. Whenever we have decisions, I know that I uh, do this quite often as well. When the major decision, especially, I'll get on the phone. I'll call my mama, ask her what she thinks, and I'll say, "Let me speak to Daddy." And I'll ask him what he thinks. Not because I really care, just I don't want him to feel bad because I didn't ask him. But I ask both of them, you know, talk to Krista. I'll run into some friends that I have that I call the phone. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? And uh, reality is, and I hate to admit this, but very seldom uh, the first place that I go is prayer. Very seldom does that happen. Now, I'm seeking to grow my relationship with Jesus. Are y'all all all right? So I need to go to God in prayer to begin with. Seeking the Lord and realizing that the Lord, he stores up this wisdom, and you got a picture of that. It's like a storehouse of wisdom that God has just for you. And you know what he's waiting for? You to ask and sit there and listen for it. And then see, he just opens up the storehouse, and he allows his wisdom to come into your life. It's awesome to think that God cares that much about every single individual in this room who has a relationship with him. He's got wisdom stored up for you. We just call out to him listening. And oftentimes, we just got to sit. It's hard for me. Sit and wait for the Lord to speak. So I would ask, you know, the decision that you're facing right now, can you say beyond any shadow of a doubt that you have sought the Lord concerning the decision? Question number two, whenever you have a decision, and that is, will this decision glorify God? Will what you are about to do actually bring glory to the Lord? You know, there is wisdom in God's presence. God's wisdom enables us to see our decision from his perspective. You know, so often, and I hate to miss this as well, but so often uh, I have made decisions based solely upon whether or not it would benefit me or hurt me. And so I, you know, would make a little pro and con list. And, you know, how is this actually going to affect my uh, comfortable life? You know, it takes time to look at a decision, however, from God's perspective. God carried out redemption through Jesus, His Son. God is carrying out His mission through you and I of the church, which is to make disciples. Therefore, the decisions that I make will affect, please listen, the decisions that I make will affect my ability to glorify God and to accomplish His mission. This is why I need to listen for His leadership. Also, be swift to obey the Father's leadership It's showing genuine love to Him and genuine trust in Him. And You know, so often, uh, whenever speaking to the Lord and, uh, you know, and the, I can think in the past, especially on an occasion that I have done this when I prayed and asked God exactly what He desired for me to do. But I already had a couple of Concepts and directions that I figured I was going to take and so when I asked the Lord what I was really doing say well, What do you think? Let me compare what you think with what I've already got planned and how backwards is that <laughs> So backwards, you know, but God gives us plan a all right So we go to God and we're like, Lord, what exactly, what steps do I need to take during this decision? How should I respond in this situation? What exactly do you desire for me to do here? And we seek the Lord, not so he can have another option to choose from, but we seek the Lord. And listen, we so desire the Lord, so desire his glory that no matter what he says, we are swift to obey. You know, Jesus glorified the Father in a couple of ways in this text. Jesus glorified the Father by choosing the disciples. Notice the swift obedience Christ Jesus uh, displays in verse 13. The Bible says, and when day came. Now remember, he was praying all night long, speaking to the Father. But then the Bible says, and when day came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also named as apostles. Now, there were many in the crowds who were considered disciples. They were willing learners and followers of Jesus. This is noted for us in verse 17 where he says there was a large crowd of his disciples. So Jesus was going to pick from among the crowd of these disciples 12 men who would be his apostles. These men would become his official representatives just as Moses was God's rep. Elijah was God's rep. The apostles would represent Christ. They would spend every day with Jesus. They would watch and learn, live and teach exactly what they received from the Lord. They would serve as his spokesman, And it was um, the apostles who would be given the special privilege and commission to establish the New Testament church. And the role was huge, man. They would lay the theological foundation for the New Testament church. And it would be upon this foundation that pastors, teachers, and evangelists would build upon for centuries to come. So this is a big deal. Jesus is choosing these 12 to lay the foundation for the New Testament church, which would ultimately affect all of us in this room. So this is a decision, and Jesus glorified the Father by choosing these 12. And secondly, we would know Jesus glorified the Father by empowering these men for leadership. Now, we know that this decision had to be a direct result of God's wisdom because no person in their right mind would have chose this motley crew to represent them. It's a crazy bunch of jokers. Did y'all see the list? Just go through them for just a moment. You got Peter. Simple fisherman, spent his whole life working with his father. He was prone to put his foot in his mouth, even haul off and cuss at somebody. Peter, you come follow. You're going to be a disciple, apostle. Andrew, Peter's brother, a fisherman as well, was a follower of John the Baptist, but he left John to follow the person John was preaching about, who was Jesus. James and John were in the same boat as Peter, uh, literally. They were fishermen as well and worked closely with Simon Peter. Philip was a Galilean peasant who heard the preaching of John the Baptist and was directed towards Christ. Bartholomew, also known as Nathaniel, was a man who all we know of him really is his birthplace. He most likely was just an average old Joe. And you got Matthew, once named Levi, Jewish tax collector, hated by other Jews, a friend of sinners, this Matthew was. Thomas, history teaches, uh, had a twin sister named Lydia. Very critical, very negative person, always looking for the worst. And then he got James, the son of Alphaeus, uh, was Matthew's brother. Uh, He likewise was chosen. Then Simon the zealot was an armed resister who fought against foreign rule and taxation. This guy was crazy. He's considered a rebel to most who looked upon him. Jesus was like, Simon, you'll be an apostle. Then we have Judas, the son of James, also known as Thaddeus. I guess he, you know, wanted to go by Thaddeus after Judas Iscariot, you know. It's like, I don't want to get confused with him. Just call me Thaddeus. Judas Iscariot, though, man, he's the betrayer. Now, in choosing Judas Iscariot, we often think, you know, was that a a mistake? Well, no. Uh, It was in the sovereign plan of God that Judas eventually would actually turn Jesus over and Uh, The Bible teaches in the Old Testament the exact amount of change that the Messiah will be turned over for, and that was the exact amount of change Judas Iscariot received. So it was all in God's divine plan. And then just for free, so you do know, know, after Judas Iscariot uh, passed away, they called another, uh, called them all together, and appointed another apostle. And one of the criteria for being an apostle was that you had seen Jesus... Walked with him on the earth and even seen him resurrected. It's a requirement to be an apostle. Which, you know, there are no more apostles today. So if we get on the television every once in a while, it's like, that's old apostle Jim Brown. No, he ain't. Apostles were there in the New Testament. They were given the divine privilege of God, laying the foundation, theological framework for the New Testament church. And once they were passed the New Testament was written, we as pastors, evangelists, and teachers, we now preach what has been written through the Holy Spirit, these men of God who were chosen by the Lord Jesus Christ himself to lay that theological foundation. Now, after reading this list, I realized that Jesus was involving others in God's mission. Ministry involves empowering other people to serve. As well, ministry advancement involves teamwork. Jesus' decision to obey God the Father and his selection enabled him to glorify God. Jesus' decision also involved the empowerment of others to advance the kingdom. Now, get back to your decision for a moment. When you make a decision, will you be better able to glorify God also, whenever you make your decision, how will it help others serve the Lord? Remember, you're in the ministry as a follower of Jesus. You've been invited to engage in God's mission to make disciples. So, as you pray and make decisions in the future, you need to ask the question how will my decision affect my ability to glorify God and accomplish His mission? You know, it's kind of unique on one occasion. Uh, In the past that comes to mind as I'm teaching tonight, I remember this individual in a church where I was serving who God had put it on his heart to start a particular ministry within the context of our fellowship, and God was using him mightily. It's amazing what God was doing through this guy's life. And then all of a sudden he pops up and says, Hey, man, I took a job somewhere else. Somebody moving. Well, you're going to be able to come and continue this ministry, right? That God called you to. Well, no, 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 man, I won't be able to do that. I'm moving out of town, and matter of fact, I'm not even going to be able to uh, go to church on Sundays most of the time because I'll be traveling a whole lot. See, so, you no, know, man, I got this new job. I got this promotion. It's awesome. <laughs> Wrong, bro. See, God called you to a particular place, gave you a particular ministry. He was using you in a unique fashion. Then all of a sudden, you got this promotion, and you chose that promotion over what God had called you to do. Are y'all out there? It's pretty wild. So whenever you begin to look at how God has you in ministry, you may be in a context of your work where God is actually using you to advance the gospel. Listen, the enemy knows that. Be very careful we don't blame God for what the devil has actually orchestrated. So we've got to ask that question, you know, Lord, how is this going to enable me to glorify you greater? How is this going to enable the mission of making disciples to go forward? If we ask these questions, man, it's amazing some of the answers we will receive from the Lord. Question number three, have I messed y'all up so far? Question number three, here we go. Am I experiencing his strength? Am I experiencing his strength? Now, Jesus stayed up all night. How long did he stay up? I didn't hear that. Yeah, all night, so he stayed up all night long And he prayed. He came at daylight. He chose the 12. And following this choice, notice what the rest of Jesus' day looked like. Verse 17, Jesus came down with them and stood on a level place. And there was a large crowd of his disciples and a great throng of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the coastal region of Tyre and Sidon who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were being cured. And all the people were trying to touch him for power was coming from him and healing them all. So Jesus, his day, after praying all night long, making a massive decision, goes down among the people and he preaches, he heals people who are disease risen he casts out demons, and on top of all that, the people were actually trying their hardest just to get close enough so they could just touch him and grab hold of him. You know, in this text, however, I note that while Jesus' body had to be tired, there's no indication of it. He was endowed by the Holy Spirit through his ministry with supernatural strength to accomplish the mission of God. He wasn't relying upon the flesh. He was trusting the Father. And the Father, by the Spirit, was giving him strength to carry on. And please listen. When we go to God in prayer over decision and we glorify God through obeying His voice, we are able to go with God in His strength. And when you are doing what God has called you to do, there is a ready supply of the Spirit's empowerment to keep on going. Ministry of which we are all called is actually a life lived for others. And as we are available to others, there are times when our bodies are saying no, but the Spirit of God is saying go. Go. And during these particular times, we must learn to better trust the Lord, that he would give us his strength to accomplish his call upon our life. You know, this, you know, it was wild to me how this uh, works, how the Lord does this. Um, you know, I'll give you a real quick indication of it. Uh, the only thing I can think of is going overseas, but we travel overseas, and it's very difficult. You get there, and you're a little bit jet-lagged already, but as soon as you hit the ground, man, you hit it running, And then we get into this training school with these pastors who have traveled in and they're all waiting for us. And we have about seven to eight hours set aside that day to teach. So we've not even had an opportunity to catch up on sleep and to get acclimated to the new surroundings and the new time zone. But we stand up and we teach all day long. And then after we teach all day long, we go back, get us a little bite to eat. And then we get all the villages together that night and we preach the gospel in a crusade setting and share Christ and it is amazing how dead dog tired that I can be prior to getting up to preaching the gospel after teaching all day long but then stand up and do exactly what God has called me to do and uniquely I've all of a sudden got all of this energy where does it come from the spirit of God he endows us with that listen he endows you with that That's a wild thing. I remember sitting and listening to preachers talk about this, and I'm like, man, it must be awesome to be in that role. You're a pastor. You get all that strength from the Lord to do this. No, no, no. Every Christian has this. What has God called you to do? You get in the dead center of that and ask him for his strength and he will infuse that even those times on Sunday afternoon when you're dead dog tired but you know God's called you to work with kids in Awanas. You get up and you get over here trusting his strength and he gives you that enablement. It's wild to see how the Lord works. And so often we, um, we miss out on experiencing his divine enablement because we are lazy. Just lazy. As the door turns on its hinges, so the lazy man turns on his bed. That's in the book of Proverbs. So let's think about this pra- practically very quickly, I promise. I'm going to zip this up here. But if I refuse, if I refuse to go to God concerning a particular decision, I am of the opinion that I don't really need his wisdom. Well, I'll take care of this, Lord. Now, without the direction of God, I will thwart my ability to glorify him. And if I'm not glorifying the Father, I will not experience his strength for ministry let's flip that if I go to God in prayer over the decision I wait for God's answer and then swiftly obey I glorify him as I am glorifying him walking in the very center of where he's called me I am amply supplied with his strength to keep on keeping on hey look at me eyeball to eyeball real quick some of you are tired in ministry Sit before God. Sit before Him. And allow Him to speak to your heart. And allow Him to infuse you with the Spirit's power. And it is in those times when we are dead dog physically tired that we submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit and He takes control of this body and uses it for the glory of God. Hell don't know what to do with people like that. So what decision do you face? Make sure you're seeking the Lord concerning it. Let's bow. Father, uh, thank you for your word tonight. I
2: pray.